Missouri. Today, I am going to talk about coffee and what coffee means to us. Coffee is something that, well, actually espresso for me, is truly something that I enjoy and would consider an addiction. Um, It took me seven years to get off of espresso. And I will confess, I, I don't drink it all the time, but I do drink it. And part of that process for me is, first of all, going um, inside of myself and configuring whether or not today's a good day for my espresso, if I'm healthy enough to to enjoy it and to not have ill side effects. Uh, also, uh, espresso, there are days where I know it's not good for me and I'm using it as a crutch when I'm tired and I need to get a bunch done. And that is that is a mental emotional issue that I have dealt with in a, and I struggle with on an ongoing basis because we have busy lives and we put together to-do lists that miles long when they should only be one or two, three things so that we can enjoy life and be happy and not um, think that we always need to be busy and doing things. That is, uh, for me, that's a struggle and uh, maybe for others. But I know that as it relates to addictions, we have to go back and figure out what the addiction represents. And so espresso is a, is, is this been this ongoing um, challenge for me to understand, you know, is it, is it truly good? Is it truly bad? Why? And has, has it relates to me as it relates to my clients. And as we go through their diet and we try to figure out how they can lose weight or how they can be healthy and what's causing digestive issues and what's causing inhibition in the abdominal wall that ultimately produces pain because there's instability. Uh, We have to go back and look at these food logs and, and go through each and every item on there. And coffee sometimes isn't, can be an irritant for people. Uh, There is a, a person out there that honestly says, I can't drink coffee because it makes me really jitter and uncomfortable. And that is true. Um, These people have a gene that's uh, a CYP1A2 gene that does create those feelings. And kudos to them to uh, uh, be aware of that and, and avoid coffee. And, you know, for clients that are trying to get off coffee, or if I find that coffee is very much an irritant, it's creating too much acidity, it's causing um, diarrhea, it's causing just uh, an inflammation in the abdominal wall that's causing an excitement, which, you know, if I'm being honest, there are people out there that drink coffee so they can go to the bathroom. Um, Yeah, because it's an irritant and it evacuates everything in the system and then they go to the bathroom. But that's a crutch and that's not good. So, you know, are there great advantages to drinking coffee? Sure. It's anti-inflammatory, it's antioxidant, it's antifungal, it's antifibrotic, it's anti-cancer, and it's delicious. Um, If we're not putting a lot of creams and sugars and all that into it, yeah, if you truly love it for its taste, like I drink espresso, I like it with coconut oil, I like it with butter, um, I like it plain, I, I like I like it for the taste of it. Um, I also like the feeling that it gives me. And, and sometimes adding those uh, additional fats to give the, the long rise and to eat before drinking coffee are really good options. 
are kind of modifications that we can provide people. But at the end of the day, for some, it, it, is coffee not good? And so I, uh, about four months ago, started doing a research paper. And the research paper is in, has to deal with the thyroid and has to specifically do, since I had to narrow it down, specifically de- deals with hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's. And as I was doing lots of research and putting this paper together, I, I constantly tangent into other areas that um, have questions in my mind that have always been kind of problem solving issues that I, um, since I'm in research mode, have delved into. And so I've had the ability to have conversations and do research to get a little bit more information on this whole coffee thing. And it's very, very interesting to me. You know, so people that shouldn't drink coffee, um, I would say that people have um, that are have anxiety should definitely stay away from it. Who have those types of um, nervous disorders, people who are really nervous, um, should probably stay away from it. Um, obviously, people who have the CYP1A2 gene, they shouldn't drink it, if, especially if it makes them uncomfortable and really jittery. If you're pregnant, of course. And obviously, if you're using it um, because you haven't slept enough. Or for me, I'm going to add my own little um, vice. And that is when I've got a million things to do that day, sometimes I feel the need for a coffee in order to get all of that done. Well, that's a mental emotional issue for me that I, that I struggle with on an ongoing basis. And I, have, I had to, once I attacked my addiction, which is coffee, I had to go back to the root of why, why do I drink this? What, what is the, what is the dysfunction behind it? And that's something I do with all my clients that when I ask them in the, in the assessment, like what are the top three addictions in your life? And their take there then takes me into a processing mode of let's get to the root cause of why this is an addiction. And, and we've already talked about addictions and what addictions mean. But ultimately, if it doesn't serve you to reach your ultimate goal in life, then it's not, it's a negative addiction. It's not good for you. And yeah, drinking coffee or too much coffee, if it gives you ill effects. Um, So I know when I'm processing my day and whether I can have espresso uh, that day, I have to go inside of myself and check my body and how it's feeling and the reason why I'm having it. And there are games where I know I'm not healthy enough to, to consume coffee because it's just going to put me into a down spiral. Uh, and there are days where I've, I can drink it and feel great and feel great the next day. It's important for us to be aware or mindful of our body and our feelings and our body and our emotions that reside from eating and drinking certain things. Because, you know, we have clients, we fill, have them fill up food logs. And food logs are really important because food logs, A, make us aware of what we're eating, but they also make us aware of what we feel after we eat something. And that's really important because it's about an hour afterwards. If you've got negative effects from eating a food or a drink or something, then it's really important you to take note of that to tell you, maybe this isn't good for me. Maybe I need to check into this more. And food logs are very valuable for that. Um, I know, and everyone is different, but for me, there are side effects that I have 
um, and all other people have, um, like phlegm in the throat, a stuffy nose. Um, I oftentimes get um, itchy eyes, um, which there are preservatives and foods that cause that. Um, Like just recently, I, I ate something that was in a package, organic, good flowers, tapioca flour, but... But because it was packaged, I um, had a bad feeling. And so oftentimes I'll wake up the next day with blemishes on my face, red spots that are indicative that I ate something that wasn't good for me. I'll feel tired or I'll have puffy eyes. Um, If you check your skin and your face and you get a feeling or how you're feeling, if I wake up the next day with a stuffy nose and the stuffy nose doesn't last very long, maybe, you know, like 15 minutes, but still it's a sign for me that something I ate the previous day was not good for me. And so I find that the healthier we get, the more sensitive our body is. And that's a double-edged sword because uh, specifically if, if I eat something from a, if I don't, if, if I eat something packaged, I oftentimes get symptoms. If it's not from the tree, the ground or an animal, um, then oftentimes I get symptoms. So like super whole foods from nature's ultimately the, my best diet. I know that about myself and I take a risk every time I eat something that's packaged or if I eat too much sugar, um, that I become sensitive. But so let's get back to coffee. So what I've recently discovered about coffee is that, um, and I, I'll use an example. Um, there was a, there was a, a doctor uh, doing an allergy test on uh, a person. And one of the things that this person said is coffee doesn't serve me. And I, I don't understand why. And one of the things this doctor talked about was don't forget that coffee is not bad for you. It's the mold that you have a reaction to in the coffee that's causing the problem. It's not the coffee, it's the mold. So if you have an allergic reaction to mold, then if there is mold in the coffee, then you are going to have uh, negative side effects. So that's really very interesting to me. So mold creates mycotoxins. And so what's a mycotoxin? It's a toxic chemical that mold produces that commonly grows in also grains, corn, obviously coffee beans. So if you have issues with grains and corn, then let's just use this and know that if mold is in those and you have issues and and you suspect that you have issues with coffee, chances are that the coffee that you're drinking, those beans inhabit mold that are creating a reaction for you. And so, so let's talk about those mycotoxins. So we just defined them. So there's what are, what are, what are some other things that mycotoxins can create? Um, so they can c- create a neuronal death. Um, so these are types of neuro- t- mycotoxins that create these symptoms. Um, olfactory inflammation. So when I talked about like sometimes you get a stuffy nose, that's this mycotoxin causing that reaction. Um, causes neuronal degeneration, cerebral cortex, and interrupts lipid synthesis in the brain. Um, It's a powerful carcinogen. Um, It causes dopamine depletion, which causes cell death in the brain. Well, good Lord, I need all the cells in my brain that I can get 
to do the work and the, the, the mental work that we do on a daily basis, right? Especially if you love education and you can't think straight and you can't process and you can't comprehend, that is not a good thing. Dopamine, this dopamine is our feel good. So that's a symptom. So if you're eating, drinking, and specifically we're talking about coffee, you drink coffee and you find that about two to three hours after you drink it, you kind of feel like low and maybe a little bit of depression. Um, or if you've ever, when I took my seven years to get off of it, I noticed that there were times where when I got off of it, my mood was much happier and um, much more stable. But when I would go back off my kick after I thought, okay, so I'm off, been off of it for six months. Now I can get back on it. My body's healed itself and it's readjusted. And if I would go back on drinking it every day, I would find that depression of mood again. And so what we're finding then is yes, it depends if you have this mold issue, then you're going to have to really look at the coffee that you drink, the beans, and if they have mold on them. Study found that 26% of coffees have mycotoxins. Uh, 45% of coffees sampled contained mycotoxins. Um, so it's important that um, it's it's important that we get to the root. And so, doing a little bit more research, there are coffee brands out there that specifically get rid of mold. Now, the first thing that comes to mind is obviously Starbucks, and you know how Starbucks. I don't really. I don't like the taste of the coffee. It's like super burnt tasting to me. Well, of course, you know, and so, you know, the, the a doctor will say, well, Starbucks is really bad coffee. Okay. Well, what does, what does that mean? It's bad coffee. I mean, does it mean that it's bad? It tastes bad because if they over roast their beans, to me, that means they burn them to the point of getting all the mycotoxins off of them. But the, the point is, oh, oh, let me go back. And that's why I feel like a lot of people at Starbucks feel the need to get all these syrups and milks and frappies and cappies and fluffies and all these things to make it taste good, which, you know, that's all sugar stuff. Um, if you're a real true coffee drinker, then you just love the taste of black coffee. But I can't imagine drinking just black coffee from Starbucks because it tastes so horrible. But so the point is, their their coffee is, they have to burn it to get rid of those mycotoxins. So it's bad coffee to begin with. The beans have mold on them to begin with. So it's not really, it's it's not good. So the, the thing about getting coffee that is mycotoxin free, you're going to have to pay a lot more money for this. And two brands that um, my research showed that do specifically have mycotoxin free coffee beans uh, is Bulletproof Coffee. And it says right on the package, it's really awesome that they put it on there to tell you. And All Purity is a brand that sells it. I think it's Neurobrand is another. It's very expensive. It's $30 a pound versus, you know, um, Bulletproof is like $14, $15, $16.99 for 12 ounces. But <clears throat> the point is, over time, this mold, um, if, if constantly being built up in the system, in the body, because you drink coffee two, three times a day. Um, coffee mold or mold 
is a trigger for something that's called Epstein-Barr virus. And why that's important, because I did a lot of research on this, and Epstein-Barr virus is what used to be a very productive virus in our body back in the 17-1800s, is now a very unproductive uh, virus that ultimately leads to neurotoxins because when you develop these triggers, triggers, one being mold, um, it can cause all these negative symptoms. And symptoms like this, ultimately over time, it can cause symptoms like metabolism problems, mystery weight gain, mystery weight, mystery weight loss, Mystery hair thinning and hair loss, constant hunger, change in hair texture, insomnia, fatigue, tiredness, changes in energy levels, brain fog, difficulty concentrating, memory loss, heightened sensitivity to cold, uh, which goes along with hypothyroidism, hot flashes, night sweats, edema, that that um, retention, water retention, puffy face or puffy eyes, mood swings, depression, anxiety, restlessness, restless legs, chest aches, headaches, migraines, muscle cramps, joint pain, tingles, numbness, trembling hands, heart palpitations, high cholesterol, hypertension, tinnitus, vertigo, hoarseness, brittle nails, constipation, loss of libido, chronic diarrhea, abnormal menstrual periods, skin discoloration, infertility, psoriasis, chronic fatigue, perimenopause, menopause, and interestingly enough, MTHFR gene mutation. What's so fascinating about this is I'm sure all of us that are listening to this can relate to our clients having at least a half a dozen of these. Obviously, that's why they're coming to us because they have these issues. And what I've found is that the medical community has been misdiagnosing um, with these symptoms. For instance, a lot of these symptoms can be led to categorizing a person having hypothyroidism. When my research that shows that really it's not hypothyroidism that they have. It's the Epstein-Barr virus that has come out of dormancy and created these symptoms. And when a person is succumbs to the 22 triggers that can allow Epstein-Barr to come out of dormancy and grow and move into all the other organs and cause even more symptoms... Um, then, then, you know, there's, there's, there's the big problem. And so, um, we'll talk about this more later because I I do want to go over the paper because I did find a lot of very interesting things that I think are profound and aren't out there, uh, in the literature. And a lot of professionals aren't aware of this, you know, and it's funny because I say that, which, you know, can be profound for some, but don't forget that the average medical student coming out of college is already seven years behind what's currently out there. And that statistic I got years ago. So I'm sure at this point, it's, it's higher than that. It's more than seven years. And oftentimes, when I have clients 
and I start going through discovering the root issue of their their problem, and we talk about different modalities, they're oftentimes very surprised because they've never heard of the things that I've talked about or the modalities to use. And they've been to several surgeons and doctors and chiropractors and massage therapists. And yeah, it's it's mind boggling because I'm like, I'm not the smartest person out there, but everybody lives in their own wheelhouse. And oftentimes we get so busy with patients and clients and and our education falls by the wayside. But those of you who constantly educating, learning about new modalities um, are the in the are the ones that are are current and know um and are helping people. Um, I feel like I pride myself on staying current with the things that are out there that could, that truly potentially help someone get better authentically. And so, so the point, the point of the podcast, yes, we're talking about coffee, but most importantly, I'm talking to, talking to those of you who have been questioning whether coffee's good for them. And questioning whether they should get off of it or they drink too much. Um, and so I'm here to say that maybe it's not coffee. And, and if you're having that dreaded thought like, oh, my God, I don't want to give up coffee. I love it so much. Figure out why you love it so much. Um, always moderation is key. So, you, you, and yeah, you may be drinking it too much. There can be too much. Um And then also look at, you know, changing it up with other things. I I I. I, I, being accustomed to the rotation diet, I don't find myself like, you know, I would say 10 years ago, I would enjoy eating the same thing every day. But once you get involved in eating a rotation diet, you find yourself growing into this pattern of always wanting to change up your foods and, and not enjoying eating the same thing. So um, it's it's not common for me when I drink a coffee every day. I, I like teas and I like different types of teas um, that don't overload my system. So, but coffee is probably fine. It's the mold that we need to look at. And it's the mycotoxins that are most likely causing negative side effects and are probably and many other people as well. Because don't forget, part of part of Epstein Bar Bar virus affecting people is about them going through a lot of um, traumas, and um, it all goes down to suppression of immune system. And you know, with stress being the number one issue with people, that's suppression of immune system. So, and and you know, the the other sidebar to Epstein Bar is. It is dormant and it's not dormant. So people can feel better and feel fine. And then all of a sudden it comes out of dormancy through a trigger and now they have side effects. And as soon as they get motivated to go look for someone to help, they don't have any side effects anymore. So they stop looking. So it's a, it's quite a roller coaster. And that's why I'm, I'm, I really am excited to share this information because it allows us to get on the leading edge of what's going on with people and potentially really get to the root of getting people better. So I hope you enjoyed listening. Sorry about my little doggy in the back. He d- she does have the tendency to um, get want to get attention. And so um, I'm going to end with, um, I, I'm wishing everyone a, a great, happy new year. And hopefully abundance and prosperity is in your horizon. Um, again, once 
harbor joy and happiness. And when I say joy and happiness, I mean being grateful and happy for what you currently have is, I feel like, the root of creating more abundance. So we'll we'll chat next time. Um, hope you enjoyed. Always, uh, if you have any comments or questions, I always welcome them. I've always given you my personal email at ashley at balancepod.com. Um, Ashley's Good Cheese Circle on Facebook is another really good um, place that you can reach me. Um, share comments and questions and um, get to connect, connect with me and all the people that are like-minded like me are, are, are on that page. So enjoy the rest of your day and we'll chat, chat at you next time.